Alright, and we are kind of live. It's always like an extra step to like switch the audio, but here we go. Yeah, there we go. Hello, hello, hello. Awesome. Uh, so welcome to Laughing Into the Void, episode 19. I am your host, Tom, and co-hosting with me tonight, as always, is the lovely Rosalind Paris. Hi. This time I was ready for it. This is that the only time I've ever been ready for it. But um, you can watch our previous p broadcasts on the District Comedy YouTube and Facebook channels or listen to them on most podcast platforms. If you enjoy the stream, please consider making a donation of any size at district-comedy.live. And if you want to keep up with us on social media, check out the link in the description. Special bonus plug. Our first ever District Comedy Showcase Fancy Mic uh, is happening April 16th. Tickets are $10, but only $5 for for the first 15 tickets, which is why I'm telling you now, so y'all can get that good deal playing your little butts off. Um, ticket links can also be found in our description, but here with us today, we have Mike Peters. Uh, he's been doing stand-up in Binghamton. Is that how you say that? Yeah, I mean, it's, you labored it, but you got it right. Binghamton. No, <laughs> so easy, Binghamton. And uh, producing shows all over New York for uh, five years. He also has a podcast on the mic with Mike Peters and produces two other comedy podcasts. You can find his page on Facebook at Mike Peters Comedian or on Instagram at I Had Sex with Mike Peters. <laughs> Thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, and we can just jump right into it. I'll stop spotlighting myself. Uh, we normally spend the show in just gallery view, so all good now. Uh, so our first question uh, that we ask all the comedians on this show, we ask the same first question, the same last question, is uh, how would you describe your sense of humor to someone who's never seen you perform? I'm very uh, self-deprecating, and I try never to be malicious in what I say. Uh, some of that's a byproduct of I host so many shows that I don't want to turn an audience away immediately. So the other three or four people on the show have to clean up the mess. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I I talk about my family a lot. Uh, I'm a single guy with three cats. I think that in <laughs> itself lends a lot of material. And uh, I don't know, I, I'm fairly dark, in, but I say it with a smile. Like, like you might think I'm going to kill myself until I smile. And you're like, oh, no, he's, he's gone for a little while longer. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I was told one time, that, and I don't know if this is a, a good thing or a bad thing or a compliment or a dig at my performance, but I thought I had a good set one night and I came off stage and a guy who was, you know, in from New York City out of town, he said, you know what I like about you? And I said, what? He goes, even when things aren't going well, you've got a nice face. So people will root for you. <laughs> I was like, I thought I had a good set. <laughs> so, so I don't know. I'm, I'm, I, I don't know. I, I think I have a... a a kind personality and somebody to root for, I suppose. But no, it's it's self-deprecated. It's it's I'm a nice guy, you know, on stage. So that's about <laughs> yeah. it. Well, which one's more important, having a good set or a good face? I feel like a uh, uh, good set. Good oh, set. I, oh, okay. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. I, trust me. You'd like be horribly disfigured, but as long as you're funny, you can get away with anything. Absolutely. Honestly, yeah, that's I mean, true for a lot of people. Like so many people I know who just get by on their charm. Instead yeah. of their good looks, I don't know. Yeah. Or hard no, work, I'm, I guess that's also an option, technically. Listen, I'm all for charm. <laughs> like, all yeah. for it. <laughs> uh, Style over substance every yeah. time. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so would you say that there's maybe, like, not that you have to do it for us, but is there, like, an exemplary bit that you feel like uh, you have in your set that is, like, yeah, that's me. That's, like, cat and suicide all wrapped into one. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if you think about it, every cat joke is a little bit of a suicide <laughs> joke. So, uh, no, I don't think so. I think if you if you sum me up by material, uh, my buddies would say, "Oh, cats, uh, Taco Bell, uh, I don't say by the Bell, Full House." <laughs> so, I get a I got a guy at an open mic one time. I I, I host an open mic in Endicott, New York, in Bingham, the Binghamton area, and we were doing something over the summer. And one of my punchlines included uh, Michelle Tanner or their house, like 1882 Gerard Street. And from the very back of this pavilion, he goes, there it is. <laughs> like, he's, just, he's just waiting for a full house line. So I would, I'm, 
very big on the 80s, 90s pop culture. Mm-hmm. And the references uh, that make people go, there it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like, you know, I it's weird because when I do, you know, sets with like people in their 20s, I feel like the old guy. I'm 38. And I'm like, man, like these, you know, I'm, I'm working on a bit right now about Elf. And I don't think that's going to go well. <laughs> I'm going to have to explain who and what Elf was. I, so, I, have I don't know. Not seen Elf. <laughs> no, I will be one oh of those people. <laughs> Ross, have you? Yeah, I have. Oh, okay. Well, there but you go. But I'm like, I'm a little older than Tom is. We've got like a four-year age gap, and it's a big pop culture. Is it four age years? Gap. Is it four years? I'm 32. How old are you again? I am 28. Wow. Yeah, it's only Well, now I'm years. thinking of it weird because my sister's also four years older than me. So I'm like, oh my god, mm-hmm. you're like my sister. Ugh, canceled. Mm-hmm. Um, but even yeah. even four years is really big when you think about it. I yeah, feel well, like especially, four years especially yeah. is like very definitive because at least growing up again with my having an older sister by four years, it was yeah. like as soon as like I finished high school, she finished college, and like those four year chunks of high school and university, and then like not that grad school takes four years, but it just like it was Good. a very like dividing different stages of life that we were in yeah i mean i've got a sister who is six years older than me mm-hmm. and she's why i know who new kids on the block are like she had yeah. the posters so you yeah. know that was kind of my my ladder to a different generation you know a sect of it so yeah i and my brother's six years younger than me so uh he he knows more way more about technology and everything i mean i gave up like i we got AOL and some messenger and I'm like, okay, cool. This is the pinnacle. And then everything after that, I'm like, I have no idea what's going on. So would you say that maybe like the having a sister who's older by six years, maybe influenced your sense of humor a little bit as far as like the references go maybe? Uh, No, but I, but I do think I'm the middle child. So I've got, that has definitely shaped where I am. Like uh, my sister and I, we could riff off each other pretty well. Uh, and my parents are targets. So we would, there was this thing where my mom, we would always make, my mom is not overweight. Uh, I hope she never listens to this because it's been a, a bit of ours for years. I don't want to blow it. But she, we've always told her that she's like two or three years older than she actually is. And so it got to the point where she was in school one day, she was a teacher and uh, somebody asked her how old she was and it was like another uh, teacher and she's like she's like well I'm, I'm 47 no wait I'm 48 no I was born in 19 I hate my kids <laughs> so oh God. so my sister and I like we never talked about this stuff but it was like it was like telepathic like like uh, my mom would say something stupid and I would look at my sister and she we'd make eye contact and I'd say I got this one and like it was it was like a real it was a really cool tennis match with us uh but but I've got another sister too but I'm the third of four so I think I needed to do something to stand out and to get the attention on me because you know my two I've got one uh who is uh mentally handicapped and then an older sister who got everything she ever wanted in the world so you know, my younger brother is six years younger than me. So for like five years, six years, I was the only, I was the youngest child. I was the favorite. Mm-hmm. And then now I got nothing. You know, I, <laughs> the only thing I got was in trouble for something that the other person did or did not do. <laughs> so I think that is definitely a major contributor to why I'm on stage or why I take on leadership roles, why I want to stand in front of people and just let them know that I am also in the room. Yeah. Oh, cool. Awesome. I mean, we talk about that a lot. Like being on stage is a way of being powerful. Like, yeah, yeah it's like me, a position have, of power. Yeah. Like I have really bad social anxiety, but performing for me is like, everyone's looking at me all the time, but this is the time I can control it. You know, like, isn't that crazy? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. like so many people in comedy have, like, I didn't know I had anxiety until my I was in therapy and and my therapist one week says how's your anxiety going and that's honestly when I found out I had anxiety (laughs) (laughs) oh by the way this is your formal diagnosis yeah and I was like oh and and like like I was talking about this with somebody else a couple days ago but uh, my I had a friend of mine and I think this is like the first sign of it I had a friend of mine who he was like my one of my best friends and 
I was over at his house one time and somebody called, asked him to do something. And he, he's on the phone and said, watch this. And he put his hand over the receiver. This is back when, you know, phones, you know, were stuck yeah. to the wall. And he said, uh, he counted to 10. And he just counted with me. And he goes, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, my mom, she won't let me go out. And I was like, man, that's a great move. That and then I good. thought for a second, I'm like, how many times has he done this to me? You know what I mean? Like, like yeah. here's, here's one of my best friends, but am I? And I really remember thinking about that. And I'm like 11 years old and I'm like, oh my God. So like, I did have this anxiety moment back then, but I don't feel it so much on stage. And yeah. it, it's, mm -hmm. it's like a, a magic trick. And, you know, it's the closest I'm ever going to get to being like, like a, like Superman's powers or something like that. Like having some, some weird strength that, oh, I'll go on stage and yeah, my joke might suck. It might not go over well, but you know, for five, 10, 15, 20 minutes, whatever I'm on stage for, I feel like I am in control you know, yeah. for a little bit at least. Yeah. I yeah, mean, absolutely. I've definitely joked about like the different uh, district comedy shows being similar in that uh, this is my way of making friends in a very controlled environment. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Which I don't know. It's kind of been working out so far. Sometimes not so much, but yeah. Well, no. Did you guys did you guys both go to college? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, like I I think of comedy and especially like the scenes as kind of like a new a new college because you're there and you you know you're dropped off at college and you're in this little bubble mm -hmm. and you have to make friends. You know, like I I think yeah. it was easiest for me to find a girlfriend in college because. I mean, there's there are not many options. So <laughs> when you're out of there, they have all these options. They're like, oh no, I don't have to settle for this. But in college, yeah. they're like, well, we're in the same class. Yeah. Might as well, you know. We, you know, the convenient. commute is yeah, the commute is short. Like I can I can go upstairs and whatever. <laughs> uh, so, but with comedy, it's the same thing. Like like I'm I started when I was 33, and I moved to moved back to Binghamton from Baltimore. And I was like, I have no real friends who, who have no kids. And if you want to find people with no kids, you go to an open mic and they yeah. are all there. So <laughs> I just, I found my own and, you know, some of my best friends now are comedians and, you know, I, I don't know if that's a good thing, but <laughs> I mean, I think it's, it's a fun a thing. Good thing. I like comedians. Um, <laughs> generally, I would hope so doing this show. Um, anything else you want to tell us about your background, though? I'm really curious about, like, what kind of inspired you initially to get into comedy and then uh, the podcast, or if it was the other way, if it was you started with the podcast and then did the comedy, etc. No, it was definitely comedy first, because mm -hmm. I, I still don't think anybody wants to hear me in my podcast. Like, I mean, the, <laughs> the, numbers, are, the numbers are good, and, like, I, they're always getting better. You know, I mean, there's stagnant weeks or whatever, but, like, they're good. I will never have enough confidence to say, oh, people are tuning in for me. You know, it's <laughs> never gonna happen. But I remember when I was in school, uh, I mean, it had to be been like sixth, seventh, eighth grade. My buddy, my best friend, Jeff, he and I got uh, Adam Sandler's What the Hell Happened to Me, that CD. And we were always big, you know, Billy Madison and Airheads and Happy Gilmore, big fans, oh God, uh, Jim Carrey. Yeah. Like I, my favorite year is 1994 because I had, I mean, like now I have no girlfriend, but, but I didn't want one, you know, <laughs> like, so, but I had no bills and I could just play with my friends. I could play Super Nintendo and, you know, uh, I'm a Mets fan. They were horrible, but they're horrible most years. So, you know, but it was such a great year. And then you, and then you get, you know, uh, Ace Ventura and Dumb and Dumber and, uh, you know, Billy Madison and Major League Two and all these really good movies, D2, the Mighty Ducks. And like, it was such a great year. So I had all those. There was no way a 10-year-old, 11-year-old, 12-year-old around that time could not be a Sandler fan. <laughs> and so we, we got yeah. that, that album. And then uh, Jerry Seinfeld's I'm Telling You for the Last Time, uh, Chris Rock's Roll with the New. I mean, just one after another. And then when I got to middle school, high school, uh, you know, it, we got Carlin. We got George Carlin. Mm -hmm. And my buddies and I, we, you know, we were all band kids. We were not the coolest kids in the world, believe it or not. And... <laughs> But what made us feel really good about ourselves was that we memorized George Carlin's sets and we would just recite a different joke every day. And, you know, from that point on, I knew that I would love to do stand up. I had no idea 
how I could do it. But I, you know, I didn't know what an open mic was or, or, uh, you know, where a scene was, uh, how to get to New York. I mean, nothing like mm -hmm. that. So, you know, but I've, I've read all his books and I've, I've got all George Carlin specials. So he, he inspired me. And then I saw Mike Birbiglia do a, an off-Broadway show. Mm -hmm. It was uh, Thank God for oh. Jokes. I saw that and he was so good. And I remember I walked into the bathroom with a buddy of mine and we're just, you know, before we left the theater and I made some joke or whatever. And my buddy's like, oh, you should, you should go on stage and do something like this. Like not pee, I guess, but yeah. like, you know, yeah. But, well, there are places you can do that too. I, yeah, I've heard. <laughs> Probably more than comedy. Oh, hey, it, whatever, whatever gets me stage time, I'm up for it. <laughs> uh, I've got no shame. But, but at that point, I'm like, oh, you know what? I, it's something I want to do. I suppressed it for a little while, and then yeah. I was a sports writer for a long time. I was a journalist mm -hmm. for like 12 oh. years, so I could write. And I ended up moving up to, to uh, back to Binghamton, New York. And uh, I was doing Amazon sales, so I wasn't writing anymore, and I wanted an outlet. So I looked up, you know, open mics in the area, and I started writing material. And then uh, I went to an open mic, and you know, I the first mic I went to, I was too afraid to go up. And the second mic, uh, I planned on going there, and then I texted just about everybody in my contact list, and I said, "Hey, I'm doing comedy on Ooh. Wednesday." They weren't going to be there, like they were all out of town, mm -hmm. but I wanted the pressure yeah. yeah so when they would ask me on wednesday night or thursday morning how to go i couldn't say i chickened out so i you know i went up the second night and since then you know i i mean even with the pandemic i think i've the longest break i've had from comedy is about a week so yeah. I, wow. I fell in love with it yeah that's great so that move was like about five years ago then is yeah like the, needing an outlet gotta get into the comedy yeah and then with the podcast i I've been toying around with the idea of doing a podcast for a while and you know mine's you know nothing outside of the box i mean it's probably similar to this one uh it's just interviewing comedians it's it's a one-on-one -on -one thing where i produce so many shows uh before the pandemic uh stopped everything i was you know i had 14 venues to book shows for and oh, wow. you know all around new york uh state like upstate new york and it was great i was able to i did 12 monthly shows at different places and then i'd have you know, an Elks Lodge would do a show every couple months or whatever. So my goal with the podcast was to, you know, uh, you do comedy with people, but you, you don't get to know them super well. Like, mm -hmm. you, you know, you're, you see them for, you know, an hour a week or 20 minutes on stage, something like that. So I took a car ride with a comedian and I'm like, you know, I knew the guy for four years. I'm like, I don't know him at all. Yeah. So I wanted to, I wanted to, an outlet to get to know people. And I am a big proponent of, you know, getting people to know what kind of talent, especially locally is around. So I'm like, okay, well, if I have a podcast where it's just me interviewing somebody else to see how they got their start, uh, what their worst show was, mm -hmm. who their influences are, what they want to do, if they want to do this as a career, I think it would be a great, you know, marketing tool for me for one and them. And just to kind of highlight Hey, there are funny, really, really funny, really talented people in your backyard, really. And, uh, and then, you know, so I, I basically started it to be, you know, for Binghamton, anybody I booked, really, like yeah. Binghamton area, Rochester, New York. I don't know how familiar you are with the, with the uh, area of upstate New York. But... I'm not, but the people listening probably yeah. are, so they appreciate so, it. <laughs> yeah, so like Rochester, Syracuse, Albany, Binghamton, uh, Scranton, Pennsylvania, Ithaca, Elmira, like Utica, all over the place. And it started out just that, and then dipped in Pennsylvania a little bit, like Allentown and Lancaster a little bit. But when the pandemic happened, you know, I learned what Zoom was. I learned, you know, mm -hmm. how to adapt te technologically. And now I'm, you know, interviewing comedians. I just interviewed somebody from Chicago last night. And, oh. you know, it's like like California and uh, I've got something set up with Connecticut. And like, I'm trying to get mm -hmm. every, every state to have a representative. So oh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I just, I mean, I, I always set goals for me, for myself like that. So. Yeah, it's just been really fun. And, you know, I trying to use the journalism background. So my parents didn't waste $60,000 on school. So, uh, but it's been a lot of fun and I'm, I'm, you know, it's going well and I'm relearning how to do uh, all the audio work. And, you know, then I, I, I now produce five podcasts, not two, but oh, wow. I, I, I picked, yeah, since I talked to you, I, I picked up three more. So, you know, <laughs> it's like, I just never, Busy I don't know. Guy. Yeah, there's, there's a, I can never have too much work to do. 
Do you want to so talk I want about to follow, the... Oh, yeah, yeah. Go, go sorry, ahead, Rob. Sorry. I always talk too much during these, so you're good. Yeah, the other... <laughs> the two trade... Well, three trademarks of this podcast are always... I interrupt Tom in the beginning and throw him <laughs> off. Yep. Um, I plug the sidebar here in Baltimore. Hey! And, oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. And we interrupt each other when we're asking questions. Yes, But absolutely. I just... I want to know, and I'll follow up with mine, but what was your worst gig ever? Because you mentioned that that's the worst thing <laughs> you ask people. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think, here, here's the one I'll tell. And I don't, okay. I, I don't know. I have to really sit down. I've had some really bad ones. Um, can I tell you two? Yeah, yeah. of course. Okay, go ahead. So these, yeah. are, these are probably neck and neck. And they're both around Pennsylvania, or like Scranton area, Pennsylvania. And <laughs> uh, the first one, uh, it was probably a year into my doing stuff and and uh, i hadn't done a whole lot of out of town stuff and you know this i, I met up with this booker you know a local booker in, in scranton area and he's like hey i got this show and it's at this bar at like seven o'clock and i'm like okay cool and i went down there with uh, a couple of buddies of mine and you know when i produce a show i give a lineup and i'm like hey here's how much time you're allotted and, and i didn't get anything like this from this guy so i'm like okay this is kind of going to be kind of weird so the only thing I want to do, I want to do well, obviously, but I wanted to get uh, a video of my set because I like the material I was doing. And so it's about 10 minutes before the show starts. And I'm like, okay, well, we still don't know who's going up when. It doesn't really matter, I guess, but I'm going to set up the camera. And then, uh, you know, the guy, the producer of the show gets on the stage and he goes, uh, so yeah, we're going to start like now. And uh, uh, Mike, do you want to host? And I'm like, yeah, I, I can do that. And he's on the microphone telling this and he goes, okay, well, we're waiting for you. And I'm just like oh, sitting there. Right. I'm like, I've got a tripod in my hand and I'm like, all right. Now everybody, now when I say everybody, I mean about nine people. There's oh, not okay. a whole lot of people there, but still it was like, okay, this is going to be really awful. So now he's doing play by play. He's like, and he's putting the tripod together and he's oh, opening the God. camera. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. So I go up there and I take the mic from him. I don't want to, I have to, not fat shaming. The guy was large though. And I'd say this for, you'll see. He, I'm going to say 400. Is, and, mm -hmm. he, okay. So it's important to I'm, the story. We're just trusting that. Trust, yeah. Okay. Trust me. It is. So we're, I start telling jokes or whatever, and nobody gives a shit. They just don't <laughs> care. It's about seven o'clock at a well-lit bar in Pennsylvania, it's very open. And they're the only people there are their comedians, uh, maybe a friend of a comedian and I don't know, people at the bar who are, mm -hmm. you know, we're talking to their backs. So I'm doing these jokes, like clever one-liners and I don't remember any of them. So they either weren't great anyway or whatever, but it's, it's going okay. But the guy who is very large he walks in front of me. Now I'm I'm taping this too. He walks in front of me while I'm doing the material, and I just said to him like I'm like, well, I guess that happened. And he kept going. Now he's walking around and he sits right behind me on stage, in like this chair. Now he's recording me on Facebook Live. My ass. He's just got my ass in the shot, and he's doing play by play, while I'm trying to tell jokes. And I'm like, I turn around, I'm like, what are you doing? He goes, just keep going, keep going. And I'm like, what is happening here? So I, I don't know what happened. It was happened, a very weird show. Yeah, and it was like, and I started it. So it was like, I mean, it lasted 10 minutes and it didn't go well. And I was really pissed off. And I was doing this for free because a buddy of mine set it up and he goes, oh, it's just a free one and we're gonna pay the next one. So I'm at my table and the person who followed me or maybe she was second after me, uh, I'd never, you know, I didn't know her name, nothing. So she ended up being a, a, the daughter of one of the producers. There were like two or three producers on the show. It's the daughter of them. First thing she said was, I'm not even a comedian, but uh, I'm getting paid for this. So here we go. And I'm like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. Son of a, wow. so, of a producer. Yeah. And Son I was of a like, producer. Yeah. So I, I sent my, another friend of mine, I'm like, you get paid for this? He goes, yep. I'm like, all right, I fucked God up. God damn it. So, uh, so afterward, like uh, my my friend and I were driving back, and I'm like, "Hey man, you mind if we hit this open, open mic?" And he goes, "No, nah, man, you need it." I'm like, "Okay, cool." So I did the same material at like 
and it went well at the open mic. I'm like, thank oh, God. Okay, I was worried I was this like, was the other. No, 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 <laughs> no. But but the other one was time. So I I had a really fun, and this is like, I, probably maybe two years ago, it, maybe mm-hmm. a little less. And oh yeah, it was it was it was February thirteenth, two thousand and nineteen. Because is it a Friday? It was the, yeah, no, it would have been two thousand. Yeah, yeah, two thousand thirteen. So or uh, two thousand nineteen. Yeah, so uh, it was a Wednesday, but it was the day after oh. my birthday. So that's yeah. why I know. And I'm like, okay, so the my few previous shows have gone really, really well. I just headlined a show in Scranton, went very well. I headlined a show in Ithaca, went super well. And I'm like, okay, cool. Now I'm just looking for shows. So this guy, you know, throws on Facebook, hey, I got a guest spot. Anybody want? I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll do 10 minutes, whatever. So I drive down there. I'm doing it for free. And uh, I'm in the green room. And this is why I don't talk about how great I'm going to do. Because I was in the green room saying, oh, yeah, I'm going to do really well. Like, like the guy, uh, the guy producing the show, not a great comedian. Uh, and he was, you know, he's one of those guys who starts a show like, hey, uh, clap for this, clap it. You know, if, if who's in a relationship, clap for it. Like every other line he said was clap for this. I'm like, oh, well, whatever. So I'm like, oh, I got this. Don't, it's it's going to be great. So I walked downstairs and, you know, we're high in the green room. And we got walked downstairs and I'm sitting on the steps. And he says to the audience, uh, well, first of all, he, he yells at two people for laughing. And I'm like, okay, that's not going to help. Mm. And then, or not laughing, but talking, you know, uh, yeah. wild turn. Then he says to, there's a group of four people uh, on a table. And it was obvious they were, you know, father and mother, and then son and girlfriend or daughter and boyfriend, whatever it was. And uh, he says to the younger couple, he goes, hey, uh, what do you guys do for work? And the woman says, oh, well, we both work for his dad. And he goes, oh, you ever get caught fucking at work? And I'm like, what kind of a person says this? And everybody is fucking, like, we're all stunned. We're, it's awkward silence. He goes into another bit and then bails on it because it's not working. And he goes, all right, your first comedian. And I'm like, son of a bitch. Uh. <laughs> now, my set didn't go well. I'm not blaming him, but it was not a smooth mm-hmm. lead-in. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm looking for, uh, I mean, some things go well, but for the most part, it's not a good set. And then I ended strongly, but, uh, you know, that's it. I mean, I, I really, I probably had maybe three of the 10 minutes I did was good, whatever. So it was not, it's not great. So I walk off stage and I'm going upstairs and the producer says, uh, he says, uh, give everybody give one clap for Mike. And they all clap, you know, and, and then uh, he says, that's about all he deserves. Wow. What the fuck? Look. If I had a hook, I would have used it. <laughs> I'm upstairs and I grabbed my coat and I said, good luck and goodbye to the comedian, my friend. And I walked out. I was so mad that I'm like, I have to leave now. Otherwise, somebody's going to jail. And uh, so I, I walked out. I, I, you know, I wished luck to the two comedians I passed mm-hmm. and I left. And the audience, I could tell, was not happy with that. Because they all, you know, unwittingly made this poor guy's night way worse. They were all bullies, unsuspectingly. So, uh, but I left. And I made it from Scranton to Endicott, and I, which is like, you know, a 70-minute drive. I felt like I made that in about 38 minutes. Wow. Oh, wow. So I was, I was heated. Oh. But, oh, yeah. So that's the last time I'll ever work for that guy. And, and uh, yeah, yeah. That so, so, yeah, those are, those are one, too. I don't know which one's worse, but. Uh, the one that stings the worst is is the the one clap guy. Yeah, I feel sure. like the one where he was live streaming your ass is technically worse. <laughs> and the, the sad part I is, know, I don't have an ass. <laughs> I don't have an ass. Like like my pants will fall down because I don't have anything to support it. So, I mean, if the jokes are great, awesome. But I don't think they were that good, and my ass isn't good. Nobody's coming to the show for that. Like, yeah. At least have a good ass. Like, I know. If you can't have a good joke. Do some oh squats God. or something, man. Oh, no, that that's that's awful. I'm so sorry that happened to you. Oh but no, I'm not. Also, it's, part of my brain yeah. is like, so I also like only did like a couple of open mics pre-pandemic before I like yeah. went hard into like district comedy and everything. So my brain is also still kind of processing like, wait, do you mean it is? not normal for comedians to just come do their set and immediately walk out <laughs> no that's no what it, i'm used to it like all the zoom rooms it's like oh that was my set bye <laughs> no that that's it depends on the scene but usually yeah. like if you're if you're in a bigger city or whatever like new york mm-hmm. yeah it's something you gotta i mean i've only done a few sets in new york but 
Uh, that's something you definitely surprise you at first, but it's like, oh yeah, they, once they're done, they're going likely to another mic. So you have to get it. I mean, yeah. uh, Zoom is a little different. I mean, they might be bouncing to another room, but likely they're just going to go get Cinnamon Toast Crunch and go watch to Gilmore Girls. <laughs> yeah, Gilmore Girls. That's, what, I'm, that's what I'm going to do tonight. So whatever. <laughs> Ayo. Uh, well, you have to stay for this entire show. Um, <laughs> please don't leave like halfway through interview. No, well, that was I'm my good. best stuff. See ya. <laughs> um, Peace. <laughs> all right. Uh, well, in that case, it seems like uh, we kind of touched a little bit already then on uh, what kind of inspired you to do the podcast. I do want to say, though, like, that's also, like, part of what I like doing this podcast. And I don't know if you find the same for yourself, but I also appreciate getting a chance to kind of see how the person differs from their act. Yeah. Like, kind of get to know them on a non-jokey-jokey level. Which, like, I mean, kidding around with people, obviously, I enjoy. Otherwise, uh, I'm I'm not in the right place. Um, but, <laughs> you know, just, like, also, like, any chance to, like, kind of talk about the craft of it, too, yep. I feel like is interesting. If not funny, at least interesting. Um, I don't know. Uh, have you found that for yourself? Yeah, what I like most about, you know, that kind of process is, you know, I see, let's just say I, the comedian I'm listening to now is the finished product. I mean, mm -hmm. obviously they're, they're, they've got growing to do, but uh, I like seeing how they got there. And like, like uh, you know, if a guy is a one-liner comedian, if he start, I, I'd like to see if he started out as a storyteller or, you know, how he evolved on mm -hmm. stage to do this. What's his writing process? Yeah, I, I just, I find all that stuff really interesting because, you know, it, I mean, people go through some weird shit. I mean, like for me, I was stabbed in Baltimore. And like, you know, I take that and like, I, I didn't, obviously I didn't die, but. Mm -hmm. Sounds you know, about right for, yeah. for, I live in Baltimore now. and I'll You live in Baltimore it. now? What part? Yeah. I live in Hamden. Oh yeah. I lived in Essex. Oh, okay. Oh, Baltimore <laughs> County. Well, yeah. So everybody, okay. it's Baltimore, like, like, uh, you know, Middle River and everything. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Not so, not trying to detract from the. Oh story. no no I get it yeah. <laughs> no, I promise. No I get it. Uh, it's uh, it's not. Uh, you didn't even get stabbed in real Baltimore. Is that <laughs> <laughs> well, there's Baltimore City and there's Baltimore County. Yeah, yeah. Two yeah, very yeah. different animals. Yes. Uh, yeah. I would believe a stabbing story from either one of them. <laughs> well, I I lived in uh, what they call uh, I think they called it. Oh man, I forget low-income housing. Mm -hmm. That's what okay. it was. So you know, it happens there. But yeah. uh, I was told when I got stabbed, they were like, "Yeah, there's a lot of gang activity here." I'm like, "Well, that's one thing the realtor never told me about." So <laughs> gotta update your page. Yeah. <laughs> but no, but you know, people have that story. Like there, there are a couple of comedians, and a lot of them actually uh, deal with substance abuse, and mm -hmm. they're trying to get healthy and, and sober. And I got I got a buddy in Syracuse who is super funny and you know he went into rehab a couple times and he's doing really well now Good. but he was like yeah I, you know uh i think like pcp was one of the first mm -hmm. drugs he took and i was like i okay oh i thought only dare officers had that <laughs> yeah like, it was weird and uh you know uh, another guy talks about ketamine and and these are drugs like i've smoked pot eight times in my life and <laughs> i'm like i i'm there it's basically all these comedians are teaching me uh, a dare course. They're like, here's a drug and Don't here's what it like does to me. you. <laughs> well, basically. <laughs> and uh, I mean, it's it's interesting. So yeah, I like talking to the craft, but I, I think, you know, being, having that journalism background, mm -hmm. I am trying to go more toward who this person is as a person. And, you know, mm -hmm. and I, it, it's fun, especially when I started branching out to, you know, talking to people in Texas and Florida and, you know, name any other state. And I interviewed a guy in, in South Dakota and the South Dakota scene is very similar to the Binghamton, New York scene. I mean, we all have the same idiots and go through the same garbage. I mean, comedians are the same. We're just, we're just oh, yeah. weird, screwed up people with a whole lot of flaws and seemingly one outlet to, <laughs> to throw to all process. of our problems into. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's, it's really interesting. And I, I think, uh, you know, if I if I spent a whole lot of time on the craft, I don't know how many people would enjoy that. Uh, I think comedians certainly would, but I don't know yeah. how. I don't know what my percentage of 
you know, comedians to listeners is. Uh, I'm going to guess yeah. it's high, but, you know, I, I don't know. The, the people who – I get feedback from a lot of people who aren't. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they're, they're, the nicest thing anybody's ever told me was uh, a good friend of mine. I shouted out on the podcast a lot. My friend Danielle, she said, you know, listening to these interviews makes me want to be a comedian. Oh, which is cool. really sweet. And, but that's, that's it. I mean, you feel, I want to make it feel like, okay, you know, you know, you've known this guy for years, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and like, yeah, you might get into it because of me and I'm the, I'm the, uh, the constant on the show, but, but all these variables, like I'm the control, the variables mm-hmm. are really, you know, make it, it's the only science thing I know. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's it. That, I wanted to that, make a science yeah. analogy during this that's interview it. and I did that, it. That and water displacement. That's it. That's all I got. Okay. And, uh, okay. Every time I, I wash my capillary effect. Yeah. Oh yeah. I don't. Yeah. I know the word capillary, but like, like I know every time I every time I wash my dishes by hand, I think of the uh, water displacement, and I'm like, okay, cool. I'm I'm smart, but I'm not. Uh, but no, I just I, you know, I, I want everybody to, to think they know this comedian or want to see them live or you know hear more mm-hmm. about him, uh, and you know it's kind of I don't know that that's the joy I get out of out of doing the podcast. Yeah, I think that's like the thing about comedy too. It's mm-hmm. like, I, I mean, because when we started this show, I was like, okay, we're interviewing comedians about themselves. Like, it's kind of masturbatory. Oh, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right like, we can deal with it. But like, I think a lot of what we've talked to people about is like the stuff that's funny is always relatable. Mm-hmm. And the art is how you package it, kind of. Right. You know, like that's why, like you know, the whole joke, like, what's the deal with airline food? Like most people have flown on a plane and know that airline food's disgusting. Yeah, it's, yep, really. You know? Yeah. So it's like I don't know. It's been a kind of like a cool reinforcement that like we all want to know about the people behind the jokes because at the end of the day, there's always something everyone can kind of like connect to. Yep. Yeah. Without yeah, a doubt. Uh, I think, and, and people are funny. Like, I, I like, I, I mean, my sister is a psychologist and we always joke that, oh, the only reason she's going into psychology is so she can finally figure out what the hell's wrong with her family. <laughs> and, and I think like part of the reason I really enjoyed writing about people was that I like to tell their story. Mm-hmm. And I think everybody, no matter how shitty a comedian or awful a person is, whatever, they all probably have pretty interesting stories and not like, Oh, this happened to this guy or whatever, but, but in total, Mm -hmm. like how they got there. Like, I think it's, it's very easy to tell a comedian uh, who's like, I I think it's very easy to tell if a person is an only child or a middle child or a youngest child. But you know, if you spend 10 minutes with them, you can probably figure it out. And that's the stuff I I really interested. And I've noticed that, you know, when I said, you know, being a middle child uh, helped me, a lot of them, a lot of comedians are middle children. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's, we are starved yeah. at some point. I think, I think if, if every comedian had to go to therapy, which I recommend, uh, I think they'd be better comedians for sure. <laughs> but I also think they'd, they'd waste a lot less time of the, of the audience. Like, yeah, you know, it would just turn... get to jokes instead of processing your shit. Well, right. Right. It's like, okay, well, yeah. well you have, you know, hopefully you have a, a small copay that can help you <laughs> and you don't have to, you know, uh, buy two drinks to, get on stage and, and do your cope, do your therapy. But yeah, yeah, I think, I think, uh, I don't know. People are interesting. And, and I think it's, you know, I mean, that's what, that's what made writing a whole lot easier is that, you know, if I had to cover, you know, uh, a business meeting, like, or a, you know, school board meeting, those are the worst. Mm -hmm. Cause like you're, you're just dealing with numbers and, you know, so-and-so said this or whatever. But when I, I covered high school sports and college sports and pro sports, you can when you do a feature story, man. You you really get to know about this kid and his his handicapped brother and why he's doing this. I mean, people are people are really you know there's, there's a lot of a uh, they're deep. You know, there's a yeah. lot of levels to them. So uh, just just doing a long form interview like this really helps me and helps anybody get to know somebody. Yeah. Dang. Well, speaking of getting to know each other, since you're the one with the journalism background, <laughs> oh, what is and this isn't on the uh, list of prepared questions. Oh, good, but, good, um, yeah. So with your journalism background, what is like the question you would ask yourself in an interview? What would I ask myself? Ooh. Yeah. Wow, I don't know, that's a good question. 
That's uh, a good mind trick there. Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> it's uh, basically I'm trying to get him to do my job for me. Yeah. I, <laughs> I'd be like, uh, do you really need two Taco Bell meals a week? Do we really need that? I, I don't know. I, I think, I don't know. Man, I, for like, me, what it's, is your story? it's weird. Like, it's weird because, Asian. oh, okay, okay. Well, yeah. it's, I was going to say, it's weird because I know all the answers, I think. To, mm -hmm. to myself uh, uh my story is you know i think i'm i'm pretty pretty much an open book on that i you know i i deal a lot with uh you know i had i have really really good parents they're mm -hmm. good parents they're great parents to adult children but both my parents are teachers mm -hmm. and lord did, did you guys have any parents who are teachers? No, but my mom is a teacher. Oh, you mean like us ourselves, yeah, yeah. not other yeah, guests yeah, yeah. on the shows? Okay. Yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah. Like, so yeah, your mom's his, a teacher? Yeah, my mom's, mom's a teacher. teacher. My, my sister's a teacher. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Grandma's my mom taught special ed for a few years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, my, my, like I said, I have a sister who's, uh, her diagnosis is mental retardation. And she was a handful. She hoarded, like, she's a big hoarder. Uh, if you left anything out, she took it. She, she would steal shirts of mine and then give them like, like my buddy gave me a, a, a I'm a big punk rock guy, like a no effects. She gave a no effects shirt, which like seven people in the school knew who that band was. She gave that shirt I got for my birthday to a friend of hers and I saw him wearing it at school. So oh like, no. Like, like I was like, I can't find my decline shirt. Oh, <laughs> scumbag Eric has it. Awesome. So now I don't even want it back. But uh, like my parents had so much to deal with. And they were teachers. So they had yeah. four kids within mm -hmm. the, within 12 years. And then they had, my dad taught high school band and he took on a lot of responsibility. My mom taught kindergarten. Ooh. They had no break. So yeah. when we got home and they taught private lessons, they both taught private music lessons. And I mean, they didn't want they didn't want their own kids. I mean, they didn't want to deal with them. <laughs> so like, like my mom would, uh, she would yell at us and just through, her just exhaustion mm -hmm. and frustration with like, like, you know, I didn't listen the second or third time and she has already dealt with this for eight, nine hours. So they were fantastic children or parents to adults as kids. Like we're like, okay, we raised ourselves. So we were all independent and you know, you, you, we we're pretty well behaved, but you know, with that independence, it's like, okay, well, Mike, Mike gets to watch whatever he wants to watch. And, mm -hmm. and like, I, I grew up watching the Simpsons at, at eight o'clock at night on Sundays, mm -hmm. I'd watch the Simpsons and then, then in living color and then married to children. And then the George Carlin show or whatever took that nine thirty spot. And that right there, you could say informed my comedy. And it's like, okay, well I'm, I'm left to my own devices. You know, I don't have a bedtime. I don't have a curfew, but I'm, I'm in my room watching, you know, quote unquote adult programming at eight, nine years old. So yeah. it's like, okay, like, so from and you know i was raised on roseanne and like <laughs> like i've got we always made fun of each other my family is so self-deprecating and we have oh my dad and i were on the phone today and he said if and when i die and i'm like what do you mean if <laughs> like what are you planning like like, like we are always joking. yeah we're, like he just got his second uh, uh vaccine shot and I'm like, damn. Well, that's fair then. <laughs> like, so yeah, that's, yeah, uh, yeah, but, but like, out. like I, they got their first shots, and I'm like, I'm like, well, guess I got to call the hitman again. And like, <laughs> like we are always threatening to, you know, jokingly kill each other. And I, I don't know, it's just like my my story is just, man, if it's if it's funny, go for it. Um, you know, I I like to be the punchline. I like to, as long as somebody's having a good time, I'm having a good time. And you know, I that's just how I've always been. So I don't know if I answered my own question on that, but you know, either like, way, I enjoyed watching it happen. <laughs> it was good television. Uh, thanks. Uh, thank, that was a nice little break for me. Thanks. Um, but yeah, okay. So um, let's get back to well, I'll switch things around a little bit since we're kind of talking about the craft anyway. Uh, do you uh, have a specific writing process that you do do? Uh, especially, I like giving this example just because I feel like it kind of illustrates a spectrum because, like, me and Roz have a little bit of an improv background. I know a lot of people use, like, improv as a means of writing. I think that's, yeah. like, a lot of, like, the Second Cities, pedagogy, blah, blah, blah. And then there's also people, which I feel like is more true to my heart, where, like, they have to, like, sit at the same place 
at the same time every day and fucking write like a mule trudging through sand <laughs> and and that's their process so what what where would you say you lie on that spectrum uh i'm probably a little bit of both i mean i don't know if i'm i'm not really improv like if i'm on stage and i, I created a new tag or something like that like i guess that's semi-improv mm -hmm. but uh i like to sit down and write but i can't always do that so i i walk you know, I, I'm big on like the step thing. I got a Fitbit and for oh, like, okay. I walk 10 miles a day. So if I'm, you know, it you generally like once it hits midnight, I'm like, okay, let me get a couple miles done and then go to bed. But I will try to think of stuff then and I'll write it down. And if I have a good joke, I'll, I'll write it in a, you know, I, I do everything on my phone or on Google docs and, you know, maybe, it, maybe it's a Facebook, you know, I throw it on Twitter, I throw it on Facebook. Mm -hmm. And if it gets some traction there, I'm like, okay, I have something. Generally, it's a one-liner, mm -hmm. and most of my jokes are born out of that. Like, I'll have a one-liner joke, and then I'll expand it to maybe maybe a minute, maybe two minutes, three minutes a bit. And, uh, but I just want to see how far I can go. And, like, uh, I mean, like, I have one joke where, uh, what did I do yesterday? Like, I, I, wrote, I wrote a new bit yesterday, and it was about, uh, oh, it's like, I think you could tell a lot about a person, like, how mentally unwell they are by how many straw wrappers are in their car. Mm. And like, cause if you have a collection, you got a problem. Mm -hmm. So like, so I sat down, I had that, I had that one line and I'm like, okay, well, where can I go with this? And then I, I transitioned to, okay, well, you know, what would I say if I saw it? And I'm like, okay, well you should, you know, instead of Wendy's try therapy. Uh, and then I'm like, okay, well, let me, what was the worst car I've ever seen? Well, that's my ex-girlfriend's car. And I'm like, okay, now I can write about that a little bit. And I thought, okay, well, how many problems does she have? Well, she had a lot. <laughs> like, so, so my, my theory was, okay, well, before you start dating somebody, you know, uh, check out their car because mm -hmm. if it's trashed, you know, you're going to be dealing with somebody who's, you know, a little loopy. And by the way, my car also garbage. <laughs> so like, oh, yeah. like I'm not, I mean, I'm, I blame myself too, but I'm not going to lie. I was, I felt a little called out by that. <laughs> well, and, that and, and that's the like, thing. I didn't know you guys used to date. I yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so like, like I did it on stage for the first time last night and I, you know, we we're able to do a, a live open mic. And what I have built into that is, you know, I say that line, like, I think you could tell a lot, uh, you know, how mentally unwell somebody is, but how many star I have in the car. And I paused. And everybody was thinking, how many straw wrappers do I have in my car? And I'm like, I'm like, perfect. So I'm like, I think, I think right now, this is what I said. I said, right now, I think we should all like take a little time and reflect on ourselves. Like, like take personal inventory and see it. And like one guy's like, I got seven. And I'm like, oh, that's not, he goes, yeah, from like Tuesday. I'm like, Jesus, because I got kids. I'm like, that doesn't matter. So that's not, that's not a good sign either. But, but no, and like, but I thought, okay, well, how many, how many uh, character flaws did my ex-girlfriend have? And, you know, they're like four or five or seven. So I grouped them together and I said, well, you know, I could have, if I let her drive, I would have known all of this had I just let her drive me to dinner once. <laughs> like, okay. So, so and then I'll, I'll have that and I'm like, okay, that's good. And then where can I go with that? So I try to transition a couple of bits together mm -hmm. or, you know, just kind of go and, and I write everything out. And before I skip a paragraph, like, like uh, when, when we're, you know, writing journalism, generally your paragraphs are about two sentences long, two, mm -hmm. maybe three, usually three at most. Uh, sometimes it's one, but I, before I, you know, hit enter and start a new paragraph, I want to end with a punchline or at least what I think is a punchline, mm -hmm. like something I can get a laugh line out of it. So by the end of like a five paragraph joke, let's just say, uh, or a five paragraph bit, I might have, I mean, I'll have no less than five jokes in that, but I'll probably have about 10 or 12 jokes, hopefully. Like, and like interlaced might, throughout. Yeah, and, and they might not all work, but my screen is moving because my cat is moving the screen for me. That's okay. We love cats. Yeah. I relate to that. I've got, <laughs> I've got an emergency cat right here. <laughs> oh, nice. Oh, That's beautiful. Oh, oh God. For everybody Sorry. listening to the podcast, Roz is showing her <laughs> oh, gorgeous yeah. cat. Um, yeah, no, that's uh, that's awesome. So, like, yeah. kind of the idea of, like, you know, finding that... Uh, that premise and then just like mine yeah, the and then, shit out yep, of it. Yeah, and then branch it off and like, you know, and then, you know, if it doesn't work, okay, well, as soon as I get off stage, I edit 
and like and I'll I'll try to memorize it and mm-hmm. you know when I'm talking about it when I'm trying to memorize it I'm talking it through and maybe there's a, a better tag I have or you know uh, you know change the word around so I so it comes out of my mouth easier like if I struggle with you know stutter through something or you know it's just a little cumbersome then I'm like okay well let me change that up to make it easier to say mm-hmm. and then I go on stage and if it doesn't do well I, I edit and I try not to throw away a bit right away but yeah it's kind of a process so then. I don't know when a joke is ever done, but you know, generally, if I can run when with is it for, art ever done, you know, exactly. Like, yeah, <laughs> like I'm, I'm not right now. I'm not, you know, worried about making an album or whatever. So mm-hmm. a lot of these jokes I'll run for like two or three or four weeks and I'll put them away. And then I'll, you know, I, I try cause I host an open mic. So I feel like it's my, um, it's just kind of my responsibility to come in with a different five or seven minutes every week. So if I can get, you know, Zoom helps, but if I, on a, on a regular time, if I can get to three or four open mics in a week, and then usually I have two or three shows, then I can at least, you know, you know, expedite the process of working out, of, out some material. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so it'll work. And then, you know, when I get tired of telling it, I put it away. And then maybe three or four months later, I bring it back and I tweak something because theoretically and hopefully I'm going to be a better writer in a month than I was today. Yeah. yeah. So I'll come at it from a different angle. So my process is like pretty wide ranging, but that's pretty much what it is. Yeah. That's part of like why I hate. I, I try and force myself to do it, but I normally hate revisiting bits because my yeah. future self looks back and is like, how did I think that was funny? God, I'm such a fucking idiot. <laughs> I know, but like, but when you do that, like I, there's there's one bit I have and I, I really, I use this as, as the example, but it was one of the first things I took on stage and you know, it was, I'm not going to tell you the whole story, but like, like mm-hmm. I, I call it the Hitler, what I, what I call it, the Hitler mistake. And uh, I was, this woman at a bar hit on me. And then we, you know, went well the first night. And then she invited me back to the bar and she was, it was clear that she was into me. And she, I guess I'll tell you the story, but she, uh, um, she came out and, and uh, we were, you know, going behind the building like with with a bunch of people and like like uh you know extending the party and she said hey the dj you know she and she and the dj dated she goes yeah the dj just said i was the worst person ever am i the worst person ever and it was such a slam dunk to say no and then get laid like there <laughs> all, all i had to do was say no you're not the worst i, I could have lied to and my said, knowledge no. you're not yeah. but i said but i said no i said you're not, you're not Mussolini. You're not Pol Pot. You're not Hitler. Maybe you're the fourth worst person ever. And it didn't work. So she didn't laugh. And she walked back, talked to DJ a little bit more and she came back and I'm like, my stupid brain says, no, you got to get the laugh. Oh, God. So, yeah. Yeah. You got to go so back in there. <laughs> she came back. She came back and said, just so you know, you're the best looking person in this bar. And I go, uh, and just so you know, uh, Hitler's mustache was way more pronounced than yours. <gasps> oh, wow. She went home with the DJ. So you had like decided yeah. earlier though, before saying I that, guess. like, nah, oh, yeah, yeah. I gave up. <laughs> yeah. And like, I didn't, I didn't have that line when she came over, but I'm like, whatever. And like, but that's how my brain works. So, so Ooh. that joke, it goes over pretty well, but I, it's something that I tuck away and I probably bring out once a year. And then every time I bring that bit out, I rewrite a little bit because I want to get it better. And, yeah. you know, cause it's not, it's not up to where I really want it, but I'm not focused and interested in doing a lot of work to that joke, Yeah. but eventually it's going to be good. Yeah. I think that's so, also yeah. part of like what I struggle with is like determining like, yeah, I could get the joke to work if I put the time and effort into it, but then it's like, I have to evaluate and like have that, like, metacognition or whatever to be like yeah. is is this time going to be worth it is putting the hours in for this like one joke going to be worth it if i could have written like four other jokes in that time yep. um yeah. but anyway thank you for uh kind of going into that with us uh, oh no problem yeah i, I have love, fun with it like i said i love talking uh craft stuff um but um, I do want to talk about the podcast a little bit, and then we have our last question. Yeah. But cool. um, since you mentioned you're doing five, I kind of uh, want to know uh, if you want to tell us a bit about what they are. What's your favorite aspect of producing the podcast? What's the biggest challenge? And like, 
is there anything from your main podcast on the mic um, that, like, I don't know, like, people were asking for stuff and it wasn't really the thing of the show, which is, like, is that what bred all the spinoff shows or... Well, they're not spinoff shows, but they're here's, here's all, what like, happened. independent of each they're other. All, they're all different okay. shows. So what happened was uh, I started my podcast in November 2009, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I... I had a little, I, I did college radio in college, I mean, years ago. So I knew how to edit a little bit, but I, you know, I learned how to do it again, relearned it. And, you know, it, the quality, you know, every, you know, we all, especially when we start out, you know, you, you don't really know how to do the levels and, and whatever, like you, they're learning, it's a learning curve, but now, now it's pretty good. So mm-hmm. uh, I, you know, had a couple guys on my podcast and then I was a guest on theirs and uh, after I had one of the guys, it, it, the podcast is so tell us. It's it's two guys, super funny guys based out of Philadelphia. And you know the mic levels weren't great on the ones they were doing, and the content was really good, but you know it just the audio was tough to listen to at times. Yeah. So after I had one of the guys on my podcast, uh, another guy's like, "Hey man, do you want to?" You know, I said, "Hey, if you ever need any help, let me know." And he goes, "Hey, would you would you want to uh, produce this?" I'm like, sure. So now I sit in with them and, mm-hmm. you know, everything's on Zoom and, and I use a different program called Zencaster. So, you know, I do that. And then, uh, you know, I'm, I'm like, they're the third banana. Like I'm, I'm not <laughs> on, I'm not, my voice isn't heard, but I'm always in the chat. So they're yeah. asking questions, whatever. So, uh, and then I do all the editing and uh, I post everything, uh, kind of take the, take the work off of them. So, you know, that's a fun one to do. A friend of mine in Lewisburg, or I'm sorry, Pottsville, Pennsylvania. I met all these guys through a Lewisburg mic. Mm-hmm. So, okay. uh, in Lewisburg, Pennsylvania. And, uh, but this woman, Sarah Cartwright, uh, had this idea for a movie podcast. And I said, uh, hey, if you need help with anything, let me know. She goes, well, do you want to produce it? And I said, sure. And, and I, I told her too, like, you know, it's either uh, I could ask, I could answer her questions mm-hmm. or I could do, do the produ- producing part of it. So, uh, I liked, and she's so nice and such a sweetheart that I'm like, yeah, I, I want to help you. I, you know, it, it's a lot of fun and, you know, it let me integrate movie clips and everything. So, uh, I mean, it's just a whole lot of fun with that. And then uh, uh, there's a podcast called Drunk Bill Explains, which <laughs> has been doing, it's Bill Russell and uh, she goes by A-List, uh, but it's two people and they've been doing this podcast for four or five years and they just, with everything, uh, with the pandemic and, you know, between working and, uh, you know, just the, the st- instability of getting the show out, mm-hmm. uh, they asked me to edit it and produce it. So now I do that one. Oh, and wow. so that's, you know, they're that's like, hey, so nice. yeah, it was, it was great because like, it's, you know, I listen to every, I'm obsessive. Like I'll listen to every episode they do. And like, I, when I started listening to it, they had 84 episodes. Most of them are like two or three hours long. And I'm like, all right, well, I'll get through it. And, mm-hmm. uh, cause I'm a completionist. So I, I knew the style and they trusted me with it. And I think I've produced four or five episodes from, I just started it in, you know, February, I think. So, uh, th- that's been going, that's fun. And then I've got a, uh, that drunk bill, Bill Russell, uh, he and I started doing a podcast. Uh, it hasn't come out yet. We, we've got eight episodes banked and we're it's, it's a, we have never seen the Sopranos at all. So we decided to do like a first watch of the Sopranos together. And that one it's, it, we got eight in the can mm-hmm. and that'll come out. You know, I think we're going to watch, we're going to get the whole first season done and then, you know, throw it out weekly. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that, you know, I, I do that one too. And, and I like the editing and I've got the time to do the editing. So uh, it's a lot of fun and, you know, they're not, they're not quite born out of my podcast on the Michael Mike Peters, but like, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're related. I mean, it's, you know, they're, they all consider themselves sister stations with or sister podcasts with each other. So it's kind of a cool community. And it's kind of uh, like a network sort of. It yeah. is, it is. But like, yeah. I don't, you know, I don't have, they're not under my umbrella, you know, they yeah. could be, I guess, right. but I don't have the ego to do that. It's more like a reflection <laughs> of yet. like, if he's producing it, he's like interested in the topic. So in that way, yeah. they're a little bit of reflection of your personality. Yeah. And they're all funny. Like they're, they're all good podcasts and with good people. And I think that that would be my, um, that would be my limitation. I don't want to work with assholes. So that's fair. Yeah, that's, that's it. 
Although, it's a lovely great topic open mic for someone will... for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thanks. <laughs> uh, I'm going to listen to the Sopranos one because I've rewatched all of the Sopranos during quarantine two times now. It's really good. Oh my god. So, I mean, we yeah. we we've watched 7 episodes. I have not okay. episode yet. You know, it's we did it we did an intro episode basically explaining what we're going to be doing and who what we know and we knew nothing. Like nothing. And I I didn't know I don't know if I I think I think Gandolfini was in like analyze this or that or something like that. That might be the only thing I'd ever seen him in. So like oh, really? that's how yeah, like Edie Falco, we we both watched Oz. And we, we know her from that and a couple of things. But yeah, for the most part, we went in there completely blind. Oh, wow. Everybody knows it fades to black at the end or, or like whatever. But like, that's it. Yeah, it's but it's, I mean, it's, it, it's, yeah. it's more about the journey than the destination. Right. I think so. Yeah. But it's a good show. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll have so to many check it out sometime. So many people told me I, need, I needed to watch it. Then I'm like, all right, fine. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll relent. Let's go. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, maybe I will have to check it out sometime. <laughs> anyway, so our last question uh, of the evening. Uh, again, we asked this of all of our comedians, but kind of what's up next for you as a two-parter, both like what's coming up in the immediate future that we can like plug for you and promote, but also kind of asking, you know, what are your long-term goals? Are you in comedy as a career for the long haul or is it more of a hobby i mean you kind of talked about it so we have a, a little indication of what that answer is going to be but uh from your perspective yeah as far as now like the only thing i'm promoting are the podcasts and mm -hmm. like you know on the mic with mike peters that comes out every friday and i interview a different comedian every week so i just edited my 87th episode so oh wow, oh, wow. so i got 87 different uh yeah 87 different comedians and you know i'm really proud of that uh i've got I think 17 states represented and I'm trying to get to 50. So, and you know, we'll, we'll see about other countries eventually. Uh, I'm very tunnel vision. I want to get, you know, Connecticut and Montana and uh, Indiana. <laughs> then we'll go international. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, uh, but that comes out of Friday. I'm really proud of, of that podcast. And, you know, the people I've interviewed are super funny and they're, they're really nice. And I've been in a little bond like there it's it's kind of fun because almost every time I get done interviewing somebody mm -hmm. like I have 14 waiting to go like but I'm like I want this out now like I, <laughs> I just I, every episode I record I feel like oh this is this is the best one and it yeah. has nothing to do with me it's like what I'm getting from these people and you know I, I really enjoy that um, I and then as far as the second part I you know as long as I'm making money in comedy that's all I really want mm -hmm. uh, I before the pandemic uh, shut everything down, I was able to pay my bills doing producing work for uh, shows and, and hosting. And, and I was making, I was paying my rent and all my bills as a comedian. And that was, you know, a goal of mine. You know, I mean, I, I've only been at that time, I'd only been doing it for about four years. And mm -hmm. so I was way ahead of where I thought I was going to be, but you know, I've got to rebuild that business. So, yeah. uh, you know, I'm hoping to get venues back and, and do that. And, hopefully reshape it so you know i i don't uh pin myself in with low call low low uh wages or mm -hmm. you know whatever uh so rates rates is the word i want <laughs> so uh but no I, I i would love to do stand up as a job and you know i don't i don't care so much for netflix specials or whatever the thing i did want and i, I don't think i'm ever going to get get the chance because conan's changed his format but i, I wanted to do stand up on conan that was, oh. that was the goal of yeah. mine. And, you know, really I just, cool. you know, I, I didn't live in New York city. I wasn't funny enough. I didn't start, you know, an, soon enough. So, uh, but I would love to be able to, you know, do three or four shows in a weekend and uh, pay a month's rent by doing yeah. that and, and save money. And I absolutely love producing podcasts and hosting them. So if I were able to make money doing that too, I don't know which one I'd rather do. Like it's, it, I'm having that much fun. But I really, you know, as long as I can be in the business of making people laugh and helping people out and cheering them up or whatever, I'm good. You know, it's, you know, I, I was a writer for so long, making no money that I'm very used to mm -hmm. doing a job and making no money. So, yeah. but if I can pay rent with it, uh, I'm fine. You know, it's, I, I'm very, I've got parents who are, who are, you know, they're good financially and they're not going to live forever. So <laughs> eventually... I'm going to get their money. So down. <laughs> yeah. oh well, I'm sorry God. to hear they got vaccinated then. Me too. No. Me too. It's terrible. <laughs> now, we, now we just got to go to like, 
buffets when they open up so I can get, yeah. you know, get them, to uh, say, there's a heart problems. You'll be fine. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll get it. We'll get it. We'll be take care of. back here in a few months. Um, <laughs> but okay. Yeah, that's awesome. That's really cool. Uh, that's the last question we had for you today. So I'm just going to spotlight myself real quick while we do the outro for the show. But uh, yeah, that's our time. Uh, I want to thank you, Mike, for being such a great guest, for hanging out with us. Uh, you can find him on Instagram at I had sex with Mike Peters or uh, visit his Facebook page at Mike Peters Comedian. Thank you, Roz, for being such a great co-host, as always. Uh, and a big thanks to you, our audience, uh, for watching the program. If you enjoyed the stream, please consider making a donation or following us on social media. Again, the links are in the episode description if you want to do that. And uh, tune in next week. We'll be interviewing comedian Rashid Wesley Jr. And actually, now that I think about it, one more question. Um... What was the uh, what was the open mic you said you host too? Because I kind of want to check that out myself. <laughs> uh, you can see Rashid there too. I, I know him well. He's he's been on my podcast before. Uh, oh great! Super fun guest. He's a great guest on the podcast. Uh, that that mic is uh, the Lewisburg open mic that I do on Thursdays. Uh, it happens. It's called Comic Open Mic, and uh, it's it starts at nine o'clock on the East Coast, and it's so good. Uh, they're easily 10 or 12 really funny people in there every week and it's a it's a nice community very welcoming nice awesome that sounds great i've gotta check that out okay but that's